Private Lender Podcast, Episode 86. The Private Lender Podcast quote of the day comes to us from Vince Lombardi, who said, It is time for us to stand and cheer for the doer, the achiever, the one who recognizes the challenge and does something about it. This is the Private Lender Podcast, the show that shares practical advice and know-how for new and seasoned lenders, from private mortgages on single-family houses to joint ventures on commercial projects and beyond. Discover details about investment vehicles that you won't find at your local bank or online broker. Listen and learn from private lenders and real estate investors, as well as from professionals and entrepreneurs, as they share the details, strategies, and the insight that allows for successful and prosperous lending. Now, get ready to increase your ROI. Here's your host, Keith Baker. One more cup of coffee for the road. One more cup of coffee before I go to the valley below. Your daddy, he's an outlaw and a wanderer by trade. He'll teach you how to pick and choose and how to throw the blade. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Private Lender Podcast. My name is Keith Baker. I'll be your host today, and you're listening to episode number 86. If you're looking for practical tips and advice on private lending, then you are in the right place. But if you also want to learn from my mistakes so that you can avoid them, then pull up a chair and pour yourself a stiff drink, my friend, because this podcast is created for those of us who are looking to take control of our financial future and passively diversify into real estate-backed investments without banks, Wall Streets, toilets, tenants, or termites. And every now and again, you get a little Bob Dylan quote, or a little quote from here, a little quote from there. So anyhow, my ultimate goal is to create a tribe of lenders, private lenders, that is, that act as a bank to active real estate investors. But I also want to go grassroots and change the way we teach our kids about earning money and building wealth. The dynamic, this is the 21st century, the paradigms have shifted and I'm very excited. And that's why I'm building this tribe of lenders. And I, I want to thank you for listening and being a part of that today. Because when there's blood in the streets, it's the private lenders capital that's going to keep this place going. Remember that. Mark my words. And boy, do I hope I'm right because this is out on the internet forever. <laughs> anyway, today's episode is going to be a bit of a departure now. It's not for everyone. In fact, it's not even really for private lenders per se. This episode is for the conventional real estate investor, the wholesaler, the rehabber, or the landlord, or really, and not just limited to those, but anyone who's really looking to get some deal flow. This is what this episode's for. And unfortunately, this episode is not for beginners unless you just happen to have a fat bankroll for marketing, a few months of marketing, you know, right out of the gate to prime the system. Nope. This interview is for serious, seasoned, and active real estate investors, those who are looking not just to get leads and to look for deal flow or lead flow, lead gen, but to close as many deals and have it done, basically brought to you on a plate. My new friend, Gary Boomershine, joins us today to talk about his REI vault system that doesn't just give you a list of leads that you have to go then work, find the sellers or contact, skip trace. No. His company puts appointments with the sellers in your calendar for you. It's a pretty cool service and Gary explains it best. So let's go ahead and just get to the brass tacks and to the interview with Gary Boomershine. Lender Nation, I have a very special guest today, somebody who has a service or provides a service that I think any real estate investor could use. And if you are a serious investor, you definitely want to listen to what this man has to say. So please welcome to the Private Lender Podcast, Mr. Gary Boomershine. Keith, it's awesome. So happy to be here and I'm looking forward to being able to interact with you and your audience and deliver some really good value to everybody that follows you. I am very excited because I'll be straight up with you and the audience. At first, when I saw this, I was like, oh, here's a good chance to give someone some exposure, but also bring the value to the podcast, my podcast. But let's go ahead. We were talking offline. You have an affiliation with the Bankers Code. 
So you know all about lending and everything that I'm talking about, but you also have the REI vault, which is what I want you to talk about today. But before we do that, I do have one off curveball question. With a name like Boomershine, where are your people from? <laughs> it's interesting. It is actually a Mendonite name, Pennsylvania Dutch. Okay. And I didn't even know until I was like in my 20s about that because we're the only Boomershine family west of the Mississippi. And my family, my grandfather came out of uh, Minnesota, a little area called Hutchinson. He was like one of 11 kids, the youngest, and it kind of snuck away. His mother said, hey, you're going to stay on the farm, but you should go to California. And so my grandfather came out, total entrepreneur, had a logging company, a gold mining company, started a paper plant in San Francisco. The building is still there. So I come from a long lineage of entrepreneur families. In fact, we had a real estate brokerage in the San Francisco Bay Area, and all of us kids were part of that business. So I was a licensed real estate agent, like 1987. I'm totally dating myself. I know I actually just turned 50. I did that. I paid for college by holding open houses and door knocking and doing listings. And then we had a rental, bunch of rental properties. So painting and hanging doors and all that stuff is my background and went down the technology path because it was Silicon Valley and got a computer engineering degree. And then it was years later where finally I'd been so burnt out of traveling and working 90 hour weeks and being on the treadmill, right? Of being a technology guy and then an enterprise software sales guy. My wife and I are like, you know what? Let's go back into what we know, which is real estate. So 2004, man, it was May 17th, 2004. It was a Napoleon experience for us because we had two babies. We had two kids, a two month old, by the way. We still had a $700,000 mortgage. My wife had quit her job and I quit to do real estate full time. And I look back, I'm like, man, we were stupid. <laughs> I mean, incredibly blessed because the first deal ended up making us 181,000 bucks. But I screwed up everything except the negotiation. That was in 2004. And man, I never look back. It's been a really great journey. I love this business. I love lending. You and I were talking before the podcast. Lending is probably my passion of being the bank. And I started with a guy, George Antone. We started the Banker's Code. We built the largest private lending network in the country. We trained over a thousand people, primarily around uh, rehab lending. The lending is great now. I still do it, but it's going to get even better when the market turns. So right now I run a company called realestateinvestor.com, REI Vault. A lot of real estate operators, CEOs around REI Vault. But we're a massive, basically, we're driving uh, seller leads, off-market deals. Because where's all the deal flow for real estate investors right now? You can't find anything on the MLS, right? There's no HUD properties. There's no bank-owned foreclosures. It's like bones. It's so crazy competitive. So most of us right now are whoever can control the deal flow going direct to the seller wins. And so we've sent out over 34 million pieces of direct mail for a handful of us. We've done over a million outbound cold calls to sellers, driving leads. So I have a service that does that for about 250 top producing investors and agents around the country that are like, usually people are trying to scale their business. They'll come to us and they get a marketing and a sales team for the cost of like one $10 an hour resource. And so that's what I'm doing right now. And then I lend and I flip houses on the side with a small team. Yeah. So needless to say, you know a thing or two about real estate. <laughs> yeah. You know, Warren Buffett, I was actually his shareholder meeting. And by the way, there were 35,000 other people. So it wasn't like <laughs> it's it, oh, investor Palooza. <laughs> oh, that was incredible. So here's Warren Buffett, who is 88. And then the real powerhouse, the guy that runs Berkshire Hathaway is 96, Charlie Munger. 
And they basically said the rules of real estate, because they're Berkshire Hathaway and they've made billions, right? But he's like, buy low, sell high, don't lose investor money, and follow the laws. And you know what? When you do that, you win. And then the other thing that Charlie said that I think is so relevant to all of us in this business, because there's so many rabbit holes, right? There's so many ways to go and we make things way too complicated. Real estate's very simple. Lending is very simple, uh, done right. But he said, K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid. He's like, that's the Berkshire Hathaway model, which is keep it stupid, simple. And I think there's so many investors, I call them real estate business owners. I don't even think most people call themselves investors in this market, but they're, Warren Buffett said a real estate investor is somebody that has money. They buy an asset that's a real estate asset, a physical property, and then they hold it, right? And take all the benefits of real estate, of cash flow on the spread, depreciation, appreciation, tax benefits, right? But most people who are flipping and wholesaling and rehabbing, which I do today, it's not investing, it's really real estate business ownership, right? It's a CEO. And so if you're a CEO, you've got to be, if you're doing $10 an hour work, you're going to have a $10 bank account. So you've got to operate as a CEO. And that's what our service does saying, hey, you know what? Here's a simple service to drive you appointments to get in front of motivated sellers. And then a lot of people are like, oh, I want to do it myself. And it's like, okay, great, go for it. But that's $10 an hour work. Exactly. And it's one of the things I need to be more vocal about is when you know people come to the podcast, it's I'd flippers, landlords, they want to show you how to create a business. I don't. I just want to create investors to loan money to people who want to do that because I'm a horrible landlord. Fortunately, I have enough awareness, self-awareness to realize that now, but I was stubborn. I fought it. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing the $10 an hour work? And that's what's led me into lending. And did I hear you say 34 million pieces of direct mail that you've sent out on behalf of investors? Yes, we're the largest marketer in the real estate niche. I think we're probably now closer to 36 million. We're sending out about a million pieces a month for a small group of us. And so a map, we basically direct mail. How do you get a hold of the seller? How do you get to the seller? Well, there's three of the best proven methods. It's direct mail, done right, cold calling, done right, and then what's called RBM, which is the ringless voicemail, where you're loading up and going direct to the cell phone voicemail, and done right. And I say done right because there's a lot of moving parts to, and formula to get that. So we do that for our members. And the reason I like those three, there's like probably a hundred other ways to market, right? Door knocking, you could bandit signs, the whole thing. But those three, the guys and gals that are making the most amount of money right now, they're doing those three or at least one of the three, two of the three. The reason it's proven, it's repeatable and it's scalable and it provides a measurable ROI. Like you spend a dollar, you know you're going to make four bucks if you're wholesaling, right? If you're in Dallas, three and a half dollars for every dollar you spend. If you're in some markets as much as $10, there's a formula of how you got to pull the right, you got to have the right copy. You got to have a fulfillment house that has to go out weekly. It's got repetition to it. And then you got to have a phone team that's actually kissing the frogs. There's a massive amount of kissing frogs. I call it kissing frogs because People are like, they'll do marketing for sellers and then they expect sellers to be like super motivated. All the leads suck. All leads suck. And the people that understand that <laughs> make a ton of money because the leads suck until you get on the phone multiple times with the seller and then interact. So we get them on the phone and we actually have a phone team. It's literally like $500 a month for a full-time, somebody that's actually calling daily and scheduling appointments. And they'll spend six minutes with the seller on the phone. They'll ask them the right questions at the right time. And then if they say the right things, 
and they're motivated, then we'll schedule an appointment and then pass that over to our client or our member. So it's pretty cool. I did it and everybody thinks I'm a marketing guy. It's like, no, I just originally, it's like, if I could just get in front of sellers, right? Just put me in front of a seller and I know what to do. But the marketing, it's, I, I wanted to have that done for me. My background was in technology. And so I did that. And then a bunch of people said, hey, Gary, can you do that for me too? And that's how it all started. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you basically put all the infrastructure in for lead gen. And so I apply with you. I'm accepted. I pay your team some money and you give me appointments. 10 days. We turn you up in seven days. Basically, we're able to drop marketing in seven days. So the turn up process from the time that you sign up with us, there's a 15 minute questionnaire that you fill out called our fast track questionnaire. We give you about two and a half hours of training. We build the marketing plan. We're like, hey, you're in Texas, you're in Houston. We pretty much can predict what your cost per deal is going to be in your market. If you're in Kansas City, you're going to have a different cost per deal than if you're in California versus Texas. And then we'll say, hey, here's what we would recommend that we do. You want to buy three houses a month? Here's what we'd recommend. And then we build the plan for you. We'll tell you this is the amount of money you'll spend. This is the number of calls we would think that you're going to get, the number that are unique that turn into leads that turn into good leads, which are what we call net leads in this business, viable quality leads. And then they'll turn into appointments, into contracts, into deals, into profits. And so we come up with that plan together. We do it for you as a member. And then you sign off and say, yes, let's do it. And then we execute the plan. And then in a month, we get back on the phone saying, okay, let's review how you've done against the plan. And then let's make any adjustments and scale. And so we do that for um, about 250 people. In fact, we've got the number one, in agents and investors, we've got the number one Berkshire Hathaway team in the country, the number one who is in Omaha, Nebraska, and they're, they're real. Yeah, I know. Imagine that. Jeff Cohn. Jeff has got a huge podcast. Good guy. I've spoken on his stage multiple times. And his business partner, Clint Bartlett, those guys use our service, but they did over 700 transactions listing uh, brokerage transactions. And then their goal is over a thousand houses over the next two years. And so we're driving leads for them. I think we got the number 43 guy at Keller Williams in the country that's using our service. So we got about 20% of our members are real estate agents and about 80% are investors that are business owners that are flipping houses, mostly wholesaling. I could do this for lenders too, by the way, you and I chatted about it. How would it work for lenders? It's like, hey, if you're not working with the broker, and you want to find the borrowers, it's called a cash buyer list. And then you basically do the same thing, right? You pull the cash buyer list, you send them a text message, a ringless voicemail, and possibly a letter that, hey, I've got money to lend, looking for a few good people in your market. Do you know of anybody that's looking for a little bit of money? And real estate investors are like, please, <laughs> right? <laughs> Absolutely. And yes, you and I will talk more about that offline and stick around, Lender Nation, because uh, good things are coming. <laughs> I'll just say that. Yeah, there's a funnel. I will tell everybody, REI Vault, you can put this in the show notes, but reivault.com or reivault.com forward slash VIP. That's where I would go because I got some free tools on there. But there's a funnel that is really the, the entire how to drive deal flow for if you're an investor. And Sean Terry, actually, I was part of CG, which is a big mastermind. And there were, I don't know, 120 of us. But Sean Terry on a napkin drew, we kind of drew the funnel of like, hey, this is 2013. And he drew a funnel of like, okay, there's pulling the list, right? Sending out the right postcards, having the right system like Podio and CallRail and Sly Broadcast, and then the phone team and how it all needed to work from start to finish. 
And so I basically just got my graphics guy and we kind of drew it up. So if you do all those pieces really well, then you're going to make a lot of money doing this business and finding leads. It just happens that we do it for people if they want, because somebody has to do the work. It's like, I've got a team of over 80 people here in the US and overseas. And it's like you're tapping into the equivalent of a marketing team of 40 for the cost of 10 bucks, one $10 an hour resource. We guarantee the lowest cost of the mail because our volumes are so high. And it's been pretty cool. We've got a private community. So behind the scene, all of our members are interacting and sharing what's working. And as the market is turning, it's like people are flipping deals to one another. We got a guy, Clay Manship in Indianapolis. He did over 2.3 million in wholesale flips last year. And over half of that came from us in terms of the deal flow. 1.3 million is what he made off of direct mail, off of the mail that we sent for him. And I see and people flip deals to him in the group, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I see a gal, Sarah, she's in Florida and she finds a seller that's got a property in Ohio and she'll post it saying, hey, I got this property. Anybody interested in it? It's pretty cool. You bring up a very interesting point because I wanted to ask you, like, for example, you're in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm in Houston. Two completely different real estate markets. Either way you slice it, you know, what if you're in Denver, New York, or like you said, Omaha, are you effective in those big markets as well? It all comes down to the cost per deal and then the average profit per deal. And then what the spread is on a return on investment. So let's say you spend a dollar and you make $4. That's a 400x return on your marketing dollar. That's phenomenal, by the way. This is the only industry or one of the few industries that makes that kind of return, which is a lot of us love real estate. So the ROI is almost the same across the entire country. It's going to range for a wholesaler. It's right now, it's going to range from about three and a half to one. So you spend a dollar, make $3.50 to as much as maybe about $10, $1 to 10. If you're flipping, it's going to be double that. If you're re- full rehabbing, right, full complete renovation could be 25 to one. So in the San Francisco Bay Area, you're going to spend probably $7,000 per deal in marketing. But if you're wholesaling, you're going to make 25 to 30 on average, right? Now, if you're in Omaha, Nebraska, actually, let me just Indianapolis, you're going to probably spend like $1,100 a deal, right? And your wholesale flip is going to be around, I know that Clay, I think those guys are like, I don't know, those 10 to $11. So that's a 10 to one. So they'll spend a lot less, but they're making a lot less. But the return on investment is about the same. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Yeah. And when you break it down by that metric, I think you have to keep that in mind because Houston is, I would say it's flooded with investors right now, uh, bandit signs and everything else. And people are daisy chaining wholesale leads on Facebook. And that's just in Houston. But I think it's just letting us know where we are in the market cycle. Oh, it totally is. There's massive pressure in almost every market, specifically the ones that are really heavy, Phoenix, most of California, except the Central Valley, Atlanta, Denver, and Dallas, right? Those are the tougher markets. But here's the reality. It's a total numbers game. And this market doesn't allow just order takers anymore. Like three years ago, sellers would, nobody was doing direct mail. Now today, it's a hot market, right? So the people that are actually, they got it all wired. They're good at marketing. They're good on the phone closing sellers, right? That's called sales. It's traffic conversion or marketing and sales. They're hand in hand. You do those two well and got a seven-figure business, seven or eight-figure business. If you don't do well, then you're eating at Subway again. Right? I call it the Ruth's Chris to Subway. It's like you start at Subway, you're broke, and then you're eating at Ruth's Chris, and then a couple months later, you're back at Subway. Why? Because you have to have consistency. It's a business. You got to run it like a business, which means consistency, right? It's a numbers game. At the end of the day, it's like, hey, I need to spend this much to make this much. 
And if I spend this much, it's going to bring this number of leads. It's going to turn into this number of deals. And you got to manage that. And typically you'll have a person working for you (laughs) that does it. Or in this case, your team. I know this is kind of a loaded question because it depends on what market you're in, but back to that cost per lead, what does your ideal client come to the table with a minimum market budget for, let's say middle of America, let's leave the coasts out. And so Houston, Dallas, Omaha, that kind of middle of the road budget, what would you think someone would need to be successful? 2000 to $2,500 a month for at least a couple of months to start and get it working, make money, then scale up. So I got like Javier, we got a guy, he's got a seven figure business. I have a podcast, I interviewed Javier. He even said he couldn't rub two matchsticks together at the beginning of 2017. He had to borrow money from his kid to cover the mortgage or rent. And now he's working five markets and crushing it, but he spends like 30,000 a month. He started with, I think, 2,500 a month, started making money and then came to us and said, hey, what do you do? And it's like, you're making money if working, scale up. So he went to 4,000 and 5,000 and 10,000 and now he's at 30,000 a month, but he's got a high seven figure a year business. So probably 2,000. We've got some people that are kind of at a 1,500 a month marketing budget, but most people will usually say, hey, go higher, spend 2,000 to 2,500 to start. And at least for a couple months, because you're going to know one way or the other, is it going to work? I'm blown away. A lot of people will spend money on coaching and courses, right? They'll be cheap on marketing. It's like, you've got to have leads in order to make any money in this business. If you're not talking to sellers, you're dead, right? <laughs> no, absolutely. That was, you're talking to one of the, I was the guy at the back of the RIA room for three years, didn't talk to anybody, but I thought I was doing something. Then I'm like, okay, I found a plastic company, made some bandit signs and that didn't really work out. And then this guy needed a private loan and he's a full-time investor. And I was like, well, wait a minute, why don't we just partner? Why don't I just bring the marketing money and you go close the deals? And that's so my partner landed. He's like, yeah, sure. And when we sat down and we started, we were going to do postcards. And I was like, okay, well, how much do we need to spend? He's like, well, we need about 1500 because And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. He's like, no, trust me. Trust me. We got to do it. So he opened up my wallet a little bit. In the end, I was glad that we did it because you're right. Consistency is key because by myself, I was at list source. I'd buy a list. I'd send out a few things. And then three months later, oh, maybe I should mail to them again. I didn't have that continuity or that repeatability in the business. And so, yeah, I can certainly speak to that. And that's why I like lending so much because I love real estate and I dabble in the business of real estate, but I'd rather be an investor. I'd rather be more passive. But that doesn't mean that I don't want friends who are extremely active and extremely successful because I can loan my money to them. They make money. I make money. Everybody wins. And my kids look at me and say, yep, that book, The Richest Man in Babylon, you're right, dad. You know, that's just how you do it. It is. I look at it. This is the way I did a podcast on this, a couple of them actually, but I look at the business. There's three buckets cash now, cash flow, cash later, right? Cash now is wholesaling and flipping, right? That's cash now. That's a job. It's a job. We're not a real estate investor. It's a business, a real estate business operator, CEO. It's a business. I love it. I'm doing it. I think this market is primed for that, right? For cash flow is typically rental income and private lending, right? Cash flows. But you typically have a little bit of money or you get somebody that has some money and you take a spread, right? You borrow money and take a spread. Almost everything I do, I bring money in, I lend it right back out. And I also have a small fund, mostly family, where they're getting a nice interest rate and then I'm taking a spread on top of it. So I'm doing the work, finding the deal flow. We get 12% interest, paying six, six and a half. I take the spread right? But that's cash flow. And then cash later is really going to be by buying and holding. 
right? Appreciation. And I think you need all three, especially when the market's going to turn. We're kind of already seeing where I call it the euphoric stage because real estate's been a seven year cycle for like over a hundred years. We're at like year 10, right? <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, this is the new norm. It's like, oh, no, this is everything. We've seen this before for a hundred years. Yeah. And so when the barber and the nail salon gal are talking how great real estate is, you know that the time is coming, right? But what's going to happen is we're going to see a downturn, but probably mostly the coastal areas, right? And then the people that can survive that for 18 months are going to crush it. And then we're going to probably see massive inflation in the US as well. And so if inflationary market becomes valuable, real estate skyrockets, right? So having a portfolio, I like the middle area of the country, what I call the linear markets like Nebraska, right? Steady Eddie. I just talked to Jeff. Nebraska only took an up in a down of 6% during the last, in 2008, 6%. So you can survive that. If you were in California, there were properties that dropped like 60 to 70% of their value and people got wiped out. Nothing against California, but I just don't loan. I know it can be done safely, but I haven't done it enough or know enough people to do it over in California, really on either of the coasts for me, because those tend to be the most volatile in the country. Me being in the center, Houston, we saw, I'm not exactly sure, but we may have seen a 10 or 15% fluctuation maybe 20 in some areas on the valuations of the homes. But by and large, our chart is not very violent. Energy capital, as long as there's oil jobs, there's going to be real estate in Houston. So given that, we have a pretty calm graph. But I can't disagree with you with your assessment. I feel like we're in the 12th inning, 13th inning, and all it takes is one pass ball and someone can sneak home and score and it's over. So that's kind of how I'm gearing up and kind of sort of not going to cash, but having more cash reserves than what I lend. Because I don't think we're going to see 08 again, but I want that market to turn and I'm going to be there and I'm going to be ready for it. Oh um, man, you know what? There's In the transition is the greatest wealth transfer. People, there are life transformation events on the market turn and some people get wiped out and some people make fortunes. When the market turns, what happens is the money contracts. So the money just like gets wiped out. It's gone. And then all of a sudden, a lot of the properties go back to the bank right? And so those that have access to cash are making a fortune because they're able to get massive, massive discounts. And so you want to be a lender at that particular point in time, because you can charge astronomical rates. You can also get a percentage of the back-end profits. Right now, the money is really tight. I'll tell you where I'm lending. I am lending in California. I love it. And I'm doing super low LTV. It's okay. So you're building in some safety already. So what kind of LTVs are you looking at? 25, maybe 40% of the purchase price, by the way. Wow. That's where I'm at. So I'm looking at it as a hedge against inflation. Here's a deal I funded. I funded, it was an $800,000 loan, okay, in Palo Alto, Menlo Park. The borrower came in with a million dollars in cash as a down payment, and they had a half a million dollars for rehab. Okay. I looked at the deal and I'm like, hey, if we had the worst downturn in history and we had an earthquake and the property disappeared, would I be okay lending? Yeah, done, right? Because I don't care about there's too much skin in the game. And if the market really turns, I'm a real estate investor. If I had to take back the property, which I don't want to, but I'd take that back Yeah. in first position. There you go. There you go. <laughs> right? <laughs> there you go. First position. Absolutely. And like you said, you heard the episode when I got wiped out and that's why I put it out there is to let people know, don't do it this way. There are other ways you can be creative in financing. And that's, and I'm so stoked for the downturn. I want it tomorrow, but uh, I'm not ready yet. We had our own little transfer of wealth here a couple of years ago when Hurricane Harvey came through. 
And it was very concentrated just to the Houston area. But it, we saw a lot. People were just tired of it. They just walked away from their home. They didn't care. Others were a little more savvy and had a little more patience. But there's still a tremendous transfer of wealth and real estate just off of that flooding event. Those four days were, um, I mean, granted, it wasn't fun and nobody wants to go. The first day I went back to my office, I could see Apache helicopters rescuing people from near the bayous. But for those of us who are prepared, we can make our lives a little better. Sadly, it means usually someone has to lose, but I've found in this world that there's no finite amount of money. Someone doesn't have to lose in order for me to win. So I've seen deals go where these little old ladies, the husband dies and she goes, I just want to move near my grandkids. I don't need the house. I don't need the money. Then there's that moral dilemma, like <laughs> how low do I go? This lady doesn't care. But anyway, I'm going down a rabbit hole there, but I like the fact that so you do lend in California, but those are insanely low LTVs. You are building in protection for yourself. Yeah. And you know what? I don't get the high interest rate. I'm getting typically right now in California, about 9%, 9.5% on my money. And I'm happy. I'd rather take a lower interest rate and be conservative preparing for a downturn. I use 401k money. I flip houses and put it in there. And it's also a nice hedge against a downturn, right? Because I want to own physical asset is what I want ultimately and be out of debt. Lending, if I look at lending, especially for all of your listeners that have not necessarily done lending, but they've got money. Here's the thing. What is the best business model in the world? What are the biggest buildings on every street corner in the world? It's a four-letter word. It's a <laughs> bank. <laughs> it's, it's a bank. Why? Because the business model works, right? The business model works if it's done right. So you just have to learn the amount of time it takes me from start to finish to do. I don't do any of my own paperwork. I actually work with brokers who bring me the deal flow. And it's not like I'm doing any work, right? You take a real estate investor. I did this in front of thousands of people, by the way. But you take the difference between a real estate investor or real estate business owner Right? You draw a line and then on the other side of that, you put private lender or bank. Right? And all the stuff that you have to do as an investor, you've got to go figure out the strategy because right? it's always changing, wholesaling, flipping, fixing, whatever, creative deals, subject to whatever. And then you've got to get the coaching, you got to get the training, you got to get paperwork. Then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, now you've got to get the marketing engine like REI Vault right? and the sales team and start talking to sellers, making offers. Now you get the deal. Who writes the rules when you need the money? You go to the bank and the banks, they don't actually use any of their own money, by the way. Private lenders don't actually even need to use their own money. And who's the first to get paid? The bank. Who's the last to get paid? The investor. Who takes all the risk? If something goes wrong, it's the investor, not the bank, right? A real estate investor, this is a leverage. It's a financial game. The whole real estate thing, people think it's real estate. It's not. A real estate investor has to find a physical asset called a property. They got to borrow money at one rate. They make money at another and they take the spread, right? But then they have to deal with all the headaches of the asset class, like the toilets and the tenants and all that stuff. A bank prints a piece of paper, i.e. a loan, and that is the collateral. As long as somebody, the investor, signs on the dotted line, they turn that over and they use that as the collateral because it's already backed by the property. It's already backed by the investor doing all the work. And so they're taking a spread and it's the best business model known to mankind. But different than the bank, we can't print money because we go to jail. They can print money out of thin air. We can't. Seven to one, nine to one right now. It's something ridiculous. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Right. But learning how to do and be the bank ultimately, right? I think it's the best business model. And I, like you, I love it. I think it's going to get even better after the market turns. But that's only cash flow. And you do have to typically, in this market, you have to have cash to do it. So I love the wholesaling right now. Tons of money. If you can control the sellers, we're making a massive amount of money because there's so many investors that are looking for deals. 
right? They're looking for deals. And so we're taking a spread with very little risk. And you can make high six-figure, seven-figure off businesses. And I'm going to ask you a question that my listeners are tired of already, but I'm going to ask you. And this is one of my favorite forays into private lending is, who's the bigger criminal, the guy that robs the bank or the guy that owns it? To me, they're both shady, but one is legal, one is not, right? (laughs) Not shady, but I mean, yeah, it is shady, but it's the banks, it's everything is set up in their favor. Like you said, the biggest buildings have their name on it. So why not, if someone who has a good job, let's say they're an architect or an accountant or something, and wants to be an investor, not an operator, private lending is the way to go. Preach to the choir. Absolutely. You know, here's the thing. It's easy to villainize the bank, right? And the Federal Reserve, which is made out, it's private. There's nothing federal about the Federal Reserve. Just the name. Just the name. It was created in 1906 by a group of people, Rockefeller, J.P. Morgan, Rothschild. By the way, that banking system is the same system in almost every country except three. So even China and everywhere else except a few countries are all part of that connected system, right? But instead of villainizing the bank, like the criminal organization, the cabal, whatever you want to call it, it's like, hey, what do they do that we can replicate that's legal? And then do that because the business model works, right? So I love lending done right. It's a simple business. And then at the same time, I think you should buy some properties and hold them. And if you can, you can flip some properties, especially in this market. Like this is a euphoric stage of real estate. There's massive amounts of money. I mean, like I said, I think Clay is like 28 or 29 maybe. And he did 2.3 million. And he actually has a small team. So you start out, you do it yourself, and then you bring in a sales acquisition guy and they make a piece of the profits. And if you do it right, you can have a nice return. And then you take that money and lend it. I know that Clay, as an example, is lending money. <laughs> He's a big private lender in Indianapolis. Yeah, absolutely. That's where I want to be. Not that I want my name on a building, but I want that type of scale, that type of success in all things. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You mentioned some links. I'm just going to create a link. It's going to be privatelenderpodcast.com slash vault, V-A-U-L-T. You're going to get all of, find out more about Gary, get links to the REI vault. And reiterate one more time, this isn't for everyone. You do have to, there's an application process to make sure that it's going to be a good fit. Do bring a bit of a budget, but bring your first 90, 120 days budget and you get all the infrastructure, you get the mailing and you get the outbound calling and the cold calling, which I think right there sells itself you know, to set up the appointment so the investor just goes back and seals the deal. Yeah, Gary, I can't appreciate you coming on enough. This has been one of my favorite, favorite interviews. And I know we're going to speak more offline, but any links you want to throw out real quick, your podcast or anything? Yeah, we're an invite only. This is not a vendor model. So REI Vault is not a vendor model. Can't hire us. Basically, the reason I say that is that we want to make sure that we're working with the right people, the action takers, the people that have a true business and they're ready to scale it. And so if you go to the link that was just provided, it says, see if I qualify. Some of the markets are taken, by the way, we have semi-exclusivity. There are a number of markets around the country that are already taken by people. So you fill out an application, you tell us a little bit about yourself, we'll get on a a live call. It's a real call. It's not a sales call. It's like, hey, we really want to make sure that you really understand what you're getting in and into and what our team looks like. And we're going to be accountable. We're extremely hands-on. And we want to make sure if we're driving really quality leads that we've got somebody on the other end that's going to actually be able to close those leads because we want a long-term relationship. Our average member has been with us for 27 months. And we started this 2013. And it's an invite-only model. So you want to make sure that you tell, when you talk to Julia or June, you would say that you came from Keith Baker, Private Lender Podcast. And we get a lot of people that will come from Facebook and things like that that are just not a really good fit. 
So it's an invite only model. So definitely tell us that you came from here and love to help. And if not, I have a podcast, realestateinvestor.com, Huddle Podcast. And I'm on Facebook and I just launched Instagram with, I call it my morning minute of like, after doing this business and being an entrepreneur for so long, it's like, hey, here's my one minute of like wisdom of, I call it like my 5103 rule or repetition or make it simple. Kiss, keep it simple, stupid, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the best systems are the simplest, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love this industry. It's done a lot for me. And I love to be able to give back to the community as well. Great. Again, thank you. I'm honored to have you on today. Appreciate all the knowledge that you've shared. And I'm glad that you mentioned that exclusivity piece of it. I forgot to mention that so that you know, not all markets are going to be open. So that's a great deal right there. You're not going to share leads with anybody. So, all right, Gary, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And wish you all the best. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. And boom. That was Gary Boomershine talking about his REI vault system. You can go to the show notes page at privatelinderpodcast.com. This is episode 86 to get all the links to everything that was mentioned on the show today to get in touch with Gary to find out more and how the REI vault system might just help you and your business. I want to thank Gary for taking the time to come onto the show today and for sharing his thoughts. And as this show goes live, I am a few weeks away from being interviewed on Gary's podcast, which I'm looking very much looking forward to. So those links will go uh, and be posted at theprivatelenderpodcast.com in a few weeks. Okay, so that's all I have for now, for today. I want to thank you for hanging in there and listening this long. And if you could do me the honor and the favor, please leave an honest rating and review over at iTunes or whatever platform you use to hear this podcast, but especially over at iTunes because they still are the 800-pound gorilla in the room. And the more ratings and reviews this podcast receives will help put it into the ears of more and more people just like you and me. Those of us who want to take control of our money and our future, our wealth, our legacy on our own terms. Also, you can connect with me on social media. Again, links are at theprivatelenderpodcast.com. And please keep reaching out to me. I really do appreciate the texts, the emails, and the Facebook messengers. Love the feedback that I receive. And so keep it coming. And just want to take thank you, take you, thank you for your time and consideration and for lending me your ear today. Had to get a bad joke in there somehow. Anyway, so besides health and happiness and self-awareness, I wish you all safe and prosperous private lending. Do the due diligence and go Astros. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Private Lender Podcast with your host, Keith Baker. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit privatelenderpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time.